0: few years ago at a church camp. It was a memorable church camp for more than one reason. Uh, The most memorable thing was that about two-thirds of us got gastro after the camp. And you don't forget camps like that. They kind of stick in your memory. That was down at uh, Wilson's Prom. But anyway, after I finished speaking on Psalm 23, a a gentleman came up to me. He was a farmer. He had that weathered face, the, the rough hands... Um, it was tough as nails. With tears in his eyes, he told me that his own father had never said to him that he loved him. He'd never said, I love you. And what had made it worse was uh, they were dairy farmers, and sometimes his father would point out a particular cow. There was one particular cow. He'd point out a particular cow to his son, and he'd say, son, I love that cow. But he'd never once told his son that he loved him. How's it connected to Psalm 23? Well, in there he saw the sort of love that God offers, the sort of love that God shows, and it showed him kind of what he'd been missing out on, this love that's loving and firm, gentle and strong, necessary and generous, but he'd missed it from his own dad. Psalm 23, it is really a go-to psalm for comfort, isn't it? Where have you heard it? You've heard it probably at funerals. If you have a look on iTunes, there's over 500 different versions of it. It's a thing that's recited in times of trouble because it provides comfort. Uh, But the first question is, and you'll see this on the outline really. um, I'll get to the question in a minute actually. Uh, They start with these words, A psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. A psalm written by David, a psalm of comfort. And what he does, what David does, is he shares this song of comfort with us, his song of comfort, and he lets us make it our own song. And so he lets us know what you can expect when the Lord is your shepherd. The pleasure of the kindness of God in the good times, the reassurance and leading of God in the hard times, and God's generosity when everything else is hard and then the future expectation of even more. That's what you get when the Lord is your good shepherd. But here's the thing and the question. Is he your good shepherd? Is he? Because if he's not your good shepherd, how can you expect him to be your good shepherd? It's a bit like singing a footy anthem, right? So if I was to sing, we're a happy team at Hawthorne, how many people could join in? I'm not asking for a show of hands. Um, You can only really sing the song. You can only really claim to be a happy team at Hawthorne if you're part of that team. If you're a Collingwood supporter, you wouldn't, you couldn't sing along. If the Lord is your shepherd, you can sing the song. If he's not your shepherd, it just doesn't work. It's not your comfort to receive. So is he... Your shepherd. And remember, this is picture language, right? God's a shepherd, we're the sheep. And it's a picture that's used throughout the Bible. God's the shepherd, we're the sheep. He protects and cares, his people follow. And Jesus says, Look, I am the good shepherd. You might have noticed in that reading in John chapter 10, again and again, I am the good shepherd. Uh, John chapter 10, verse um, 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. See, Jesus is the shepherd. And he gives his life for the sheep, and his sheep are everyone who knows him. And who listens to him? So is the Lord your shepherd? And there's a simple uh, test for it, really. Do you listen to his voice? Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. In other words, do you believe the words that Jesus speaks? And Do you obey him? Do you believe the words of Jesus? And do you obey him? If it's a sporting analogy... If Jesus is the coach and you're the player, do you do what the coach says? Uh, would someone watching you see that you're playing on the game plan of Jesus? See, it may be that you have no shepherd, that you have no coach. You know, to be honest, you're a bit of a solo player. You make your own direction. You lead yourself. You find the way, you light the way, and you make it work well enough. You come to the team huddle, but you perhaps don't really listen. You kind of fake it. You show up at church. Uh, None of you go to youth group anymore. I don't think you do. Um, You throw money in the offering plate. You volunteer. You do a bunch of things. You're a good person, but you don't really know the voice of Jesus. You don't really obey him. Perhaps you're taking advice from another shepherd. It might be another coach. Whether it's Buddha, Muhammad, your parents, your career advisor, your friend, your minister. But maybe it's someone else other than Jesus who leads the way. Someone else gives you direction, but not Jesus. And so it's your question to answer really, is the Lord my shepherd? And I hope he is, because he's the good shepherd, the good shepherd who provides, who cares, who looks after you. He'll give you everything you need. You see in Psalm 23, what's he doing? You see there in verse 1, he's looking out for his sheep. Verse 1, I shall not be in want. That is, I'll have what I need. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You've probably seen photos of the Middle East. I don't know how the sheep eat anything there, but they seem to be wandering around this desert kind of wilderness. But not these sheep. The shepherd gives them the best of the best. And these sheep, what do they do? They, they lie down because there's no imminent threat. They, you know, Sheep who are worried, what do they do? They run around in a panic. But this here is a picture of peace and comfort. Verse 2 again, quiet waters. There's nothing to drown you. Verse 3, he restores my soul, my life. See, this shepherd is looking out for his sheep. God cares for his people. Just as Psalm 23 points out, and we see in John chapter 10 verse 15, the shepherd will even lay down his life for his sheep. And that's really the whole point of the Bible. That God cares for his people so much that he dies for them. Will that be enough for you? That God lays down his life for you? Is that enough? That God will give you what you need, both spiritually and physically. Or do you expect something more? Now verse 1, what does it say? I shall not be in want. So we'll have everything we need to live, but not necessarily everything that I want. So God doesn't promise to give you everything that you like. Not promising that car or those friends or that job. He doesn't promise to keep suffering away. And if you think this psalm is about being free of trouble, well, just remember verse 4. It's about trouble in life. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. See, this is a psalm that is actually about being in the middle of trouble, not avoiding it. How much do we need? Well, remember what Jesus tells us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer? Uh, Matthew 6.11, give us this day our daily bread bread. It's simple food, isn't it? It's what you need. It keeps you going. I do wonder if he lived in a different culture and would have said, give us this day our daily rice, but that's the culture he was in. If you keep reading Matthew 6, you see that God cares for us even more than he cares for the animals, and he cares for them a lot. And God knows that what we need, exactly what we need, and he promises to give it to us. And so instead of chasing after all the things that we want, he says there's something much more important. Do you remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first? In other words, God says, put me, put the priorities of the shepherd first, and don't worry, I'll give you everything you need. So the question is, can you trust him to do that? It's not just material things, it's spiritual and emotional, emotional as well. When you trust the shepherd, verse 3, you can expect your soul to be refreshed. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. I don't mean, know, that might feel like a long way away, that your soul is refreshed by God. You know, but it can be like waking up you know, refreshed in the morning without an alarm getting ready, being inspired, out there to embrace the day, refreshed in your soul by God. The Lord is the shepherd who provides. And because of that, I will not fear evil, verse (laughs) 4. But we kind of say that with hope, don't we? You say, I will not fear evil, but then you think, evil is terrifying, bad stuff is terrifying. And so I personally hope that I trust God more than I fear evil. The events in Ukraine are horrifying, they are a terrible evil, a terrible darkness. But even there it is possible to trust God. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. The sheep of this shepherd don't need to fear evil, they don't need to fear the trouble that evil generates. Whatever the valley of the shadow of death is, whatever trouble that is, whether death or almost death, religious persecution, sickness, heartbreak, we don't need to fear it. Um, I've seen updates from the church in Ukraine and from the student movement in Ukraine, and they're still trying to serve people there. Despite the danger, there are Christians working hard to care for the people around them. Opening their churches, distributing aid, caring for people, praying for people, being there with them. We don't need to fear Satan or the end of the world or plane crashes or traffic accidents, evil dictators, genetic mutations, evil spirits or viruses or vaccines. We don't need to fear anti Christian legislation. We don't need to fear anti discrimination legislation. We don't need to fear powerful anti Christian groups in our society. Why? Because verse 4. You are with me. God is with me. God is with me in times of trouble. Uh, There's a lady in my church. um, She just spent a couple of months in hospital with bowel cancer. She was been out for a couple of weeks. She fell and broke her hip a week ago, back into hospital. While there, just a couple of days ago, they found more cancer. And yet her doctor will say that she is the most positive person he's ever met. Now, I don't know, that's probably too high a standard for most of us. Um, But she's talking about how good God is. We had a men's event on Friday night. She's texting her husband about what she's enjoying about God. From the hospital, in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, we weren't actually sure if she'd last the week. And there she is texting about how good God is to her through her pain and suffering. She knows the shepherd is with her in times of trouble. There will be times of trouble. Following the shepherd is not all gentle uh, green clover and gentle creeks. Following the shepherd will involve difficulty, but in that darkness, the shepherd will be there to guide and comfort you. Um, I received an email a little while ago from one of our students who's in Vietnam now. He's, he's Vietnamese, and he wrote about how his family hates everything that he stands for now that he's a Christian. And he was warning me uh, that his family may try to attack me, from even though I'm in Australia, and because of our influence on him. But he knows it's worth it to trust Jesus. So when trouble comes, don't automatically think, oh, no, God might not love me. No, you've got to think, God promised me that this sort of thing happens. And he has promised to be here with me. He is here with me. You see, God comforts and guides us when times are hard. And this shepherd, he's not a softy. He's not big on words and short on action. He's not a politician who promises and doesn't deliver. His presence is about kind and comforting words in your ear. Not just about those things. You see, verse 4, it's his rod and his staff that give the comfort. The rod and staff. Now, no doubt they're useful as walking aids. Um, I do a lot of uh, outdoor walking and hiking, and a stick is a good walking aid. But that's not what it's there for, no. It's also useful for whacking away dangerous creatures, and that's useful too. But it's also a good whacker and poker of the sheep, I actually grew up in Pakistan. Um, We saw lots of shepherds. Uh, Their shepherding technique is not chasing around on a motorbike. It's walking behind and next to the sheep and giving them a poke and a drag when they need it. The stick is for poking reluctant sheep. Your rod and and staff, they comfort me. And you think, oh, what sort of a comfort is that? Well, God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews chapter 12. And God's discipline is for your good. And in the language of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord disciplines those he loves so that you will be trained in righteousness. So he's poking you along because there's stuff you need to learn. But do you approve of God's discipline? And do you fear the disapproval of the shepherd more than you fear the evil or the trouble or the discomfort of the day? See, maybe you're more worried about what your friends or partners or workmates think of you than what God thinks of you. John 10 again, John 10.27, My sheep listen to my voice. Do you listen? Do you listen when times are tough? You see, he can be trusted in the hard times. And that's the message of the Psalms. It's the message of the Bible. When evil is terrifying and when things are spinning out of control, God is there. God is in control God is guiding you through the very worst of it. In the darkness, God is there. And in the darkness, the shepherd provides a light. Now, light matters in darkness, doesn't it? Uh, If you've ever woken up at night, it's pitch black and you can't see anything. You open your eyes and you try to see which way is up. You're just trying to see something, anything. Um, I'm part of a a bush bush, um, search and rescue team, so uh, when hikers go missing in the bush, they call us out to go and try and find them. Um, And you've got these people in the middle of nowhere, they're lost, Um, they're sitting on a rock, don't know what to do, trying to see anything, and then all of a sudden, the searcher's spotlight, or the light from the helicopter, a light in the darkness, there is hope on the way. Now there's no specific mention in this psalm of light is there But the New Testament's very clear that Jesus the shepherd is like a searchlight in the valley of the shadow of death Matthew 4:16 to the people living in darkness the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned Jesus is the shepherd who lights up the dark places of your life. He can be trusted when things go bad. And he can be trusted when all seems dark and impossible because the Lord is with me. The Lord is really good to me. And Psalm 23 wants us to reach the ultimate conclusion that the Lord is really good to me. The Lord, He's there and He's good. It's true, there is evil there are dark places there are the shadow lands and it's true that people might hate me or ignore me or laugh at me it's true that sickness and disaster will come my way but the lord is really good to me and verses 5 to 6 move us away from the shepherd picture to a picture of food acceptance and housing an image of our basic needs being fulfilled verses 5 and 6 You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So God fulfills our basic needs, but this is a picture of abundance. You know, that's an understatement, really. It's a feast, a permanent um, housing in God's house. We get. What do we get? We get God's mark of approval. And so even while the enemies remain, see they're standing on and watching, he looks after us. God approves of us and looks after us, even while those who hate look on. While your enemies look on, God honors you. No scraps of food. God prepares your accommodation and your dinner. He anoints you with oil, not oil to make you a king, but oil to make you feel nice and smell nice. It's a welcome gift. He asks you if you want a drink and he keeps filling it up. Again and again, you're not on rations. You're not a financial burden. You're a welcome guest. And being a Christian, you see here, isn't a private thing. People who oppose you know you're a Christian and they look on. They watch as God blesses you. And you're not an unwelcome burden to God. Sometimes you might think that I'm too much for God, no one would want me. No, you're a welcome refugee. You're not a drain on his economy. God's not upset that you have come to him with all your problems. He delights in providing for you, you who have come in joyful submission to the king. He delights to lead you, you who are willing to follow him. And God delights to do good to you, you who are willing to let him determine what is best. And then the writer of the psalm can celebrate God's goodness and love, verse 6, goodness and love that will pursue you all the days of your life. Goodness and love, all of your days, all of your life. In the midst of trouble, goodness and love. In the midst of family rejection, God offers goodness and love. In the midst of sickness, of COVID, of colds, cancers, strokes, falls, God gives goodness and love. In the midst of financial pressure, God shows goodness and love. In the midst of relationship stress, God loves you with goodness and love. In the midst of hard times at work, goodness and love. In the midst of pain, the relief of goodness and love. In the midst of death, the light of goodness and love that moves into eternity. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. God will chase you with goodness and love all the days of your life. And back in John 10, Jesus, the good shepherd, promises that he will never let his sheep go. Verse uh, John 10:28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Not one of his sheep, not one of his people will be lost. In the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd will not lose you. And God will chase you with goodness and mercy so you will not be lost, so that pain and evil and stress will not win. Psalm 23 verse 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is really good to me. My Lord is good to me. And so over to you, really. Will you follow the shepherd who cares for you in the good times, who guides you in the hard times, who disciplines and comforts you, who follows you with goodness and love all the days of your life? Will you follow the shepherd? Will you listen to him? Look, I take it that some of us need to be reminded to trust him in the dark places that we're in. Some of us need to start listening again. We need to dust off our Bibles and enjoy hearing him speak. Uh, some of us need to stop trying to impress everyone and remember that we live for Jesus. Uh, some of us need to celebrate how that we belong to God and that he will never let us go. Uh, Let me finish by praying. Uh, Father God, thank you that Jesus has come, that he is our shepherd, that he will not lose any that are his, that he guides us in the dark places, that he helps us in the hard times, that he gives us everything that we need. And Father, we pray that we would understand that and truly grasp it and rejoice in who you are and what you have done for us, and trust you in the hard places that we are. We pray that in the good times we would not abandon you, but that we would rely on you all the days of our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.